0: Moses, as the Bible reads, was a man of great faith. He was the one that led God's people out of Egyptian captivity and performed many miracles for God. But like all of us, he was human, and he had human emotions like anger. But why do we have anger, and what is its purpose, and how should we use it? These are some of the things we will focus on tonight. First, let's read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to things, according to our likeness. So we see here, God created humans in our image, meaning him and Jesus. So our ability to get angry comes from God. Now, if you will turn in your Bibles, um, we will turn into turn in our Bibles to some examples of men who got angry. If you will turn to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12 in your Bible, we will read how Moses himself became angry. And it reads, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren, and he looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses saw this injustice, so he took his anger out on the Egyptian. If you keep reading, you will see that someone did see him kill the Egyptian, and that Pharaoh heard about it, and he wanted to kill Moses for his crime. But he ran away to escape punishment. When we seek to harm another man out of anger, it is a sin. So first, we need to understand anger is not a sin until we let it take control of our actions. Second, anger can be used in good ways. And if you will turn there, you can see in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 through 13, it reads, Then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who bought sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus shows strong emotions at the men in the temple, but how is this different from the anger that is sin? The answer is, of course, how we choose to handle it. God created all emotions. That means he created anger. So there must be a righteous way to use anger. A righteous way is to get so angry at sin that you never want to do it again. I'm saying that we can use anger in a righteous way. When Jesus scolded the people in the temple, he did it because they were sinning by turning a holy place into a market, and he could not stand for that. We know that anger can be a good thing, but it also can be a poison. If you hold on to your anger and do not control it, it can consume you, and you will be troubled. But there is a way to use anger and not to let it destroy you in the process. The answer is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. And it reads, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. The verse lets us know that we must not sin in our anger. That also lets us know we must forgive those we are angry at, otherwise we keep that anger and it slowly eats away at us until there is nothing left, just like a poison. To conclude, anger can be a poison if we let it become a sin. Moses had great love for God and God's people. And when he saw their pain, he was angry and he acted on that anger in a sinful way. That was where he went wrong. How will you use your anger in a sinful way? Will you let it become your poison? Or will you do the right thing and use it to hate sin? To you're at the point where you know where you're willing to turn to Christ?
1: I'll be reading Joshua 1, 6 through 8, Joshua 1, 6, 8. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according
2: While you're in Joshua, please turn with me to Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Tonight, we are going to be talking about Joshua. Joshua is a good example of what our faith should look like. Near the end of his life, he made a challenge to Israel. He said, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Tonight we are going to look at three lessons that we can learn from this passage. The first lesson is people need to be challenged to serve the Lord. Nobody serves God on accident. A person may even attend worship services for a number of years without truly honoring God. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 says, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God must be feared. At the beginning of the verse, Joshua says to fear the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The psalmist also says, as Psalm chapter 2, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. God must be served sincerely, and he must be served in truth. John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Have you made the decision to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? It is impossible to serve God half-heartedly. Joshua told the people to put away the gods of their fathers and of the Amorites. We cannot serve and worship God if we do not put away our idols and distractions. An idol can be anything that we choose to put above God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. An idol can be anything, whether it's our family or work or even material possessions. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. We cannot try to serve God without letting go of those things that we hold on to in the world. There is no in-between. We have to make that choice to serve God or to serve man. We are also told to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Being decisive and choosing God means that we give him our very best. Our very best means that we make time to sit down and study his word or that we make time to talk to him through prayer and our very best means that we choose to worship God and we be there for services. Men are also to influence their families to serve God. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He is the kind of leader God wants in the home. Men who lead like Joshua will be a blessing to everyone that's in their home. Fathers are even commanded to be like Joshua. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Men who have truly chosen to follow Jesus will influence their families to serve God. So be decisive and choose this day whom you will serve. I'll be reading Ruth
3: chapter one, verses 16 and 17. Ruth one, 16 and 17. In your pew Bibles in front of you, this will be page 222. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from, the fo- after, from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and we're, and there will I
1: be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me.
3: Have you ever had a friend that meant a great deal to you? I'm talking about the kind of friend with whom you can share anything, and trust to listen and keep in confidence your deepest inner thoughts and feelings. What a blessing such a friend is. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Notice that first half again. A friend loves at all times. Loyalty is the hallmark of a good friend. The loyalty we show people also says a great deal about our relationship with God. Ruth is a book that deals with the loyalty of a Moabitess to her mother-in-law. The book is a wonderful testament to the light of one good heart in the midst of a sinful and wicked generation. Interestingly, in the Hebrew language, the word Ruth means friend. Everybody would love to have a friend like Ruth. While you're in Ruth chapter 1, would you please look at verse 14 and 18. 14 14 through 18 says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Cl- Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from you for, but, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. From this passage, we learn the following lessons about loyalty and friendship. The first quality of a good friend is that they think of others and not themselves. Ruth could have gone back to Moab where the language, culture, and people were familiar to her. It would have been easy and definitely more comfortable to be surrounded by what is known. But Ruth was not thinking about herself. She was thinking of Naomi, who was forsaken and lonely. Jesus thought of others while he was on the cross. In the book of John, chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. We see here that even while Jesus was in excruciating pain, he still was thinking of others and their well-being. We are also reminded in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, the second quality of a good friend is that they choose to love even when others push them away. Naomi tried her best to make Ruth turn back. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. A real friend remains loyal when everybody else walks out. We need to ask ourselves, am I a friend to Jesus? Do I remain loyal when the going gets tough? In John chapter 15, verses 14 Jesus says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So let me remind you of the first and second quality of a good friend. The first quality of a good friend is that they think of others and not themselves. The second quality of a good friend also is that they choose to love even when others push them away. Now to our third and final quality. The third quality of a friend is that they are committed to the long term. Ruth told Naomi that this was a lifelong commitment, and we can see that in verse, verse 17, which states, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Not all friendships are this way, but we need to thank God for the ones that are. We are also commanded in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, therefore wherever men Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Basically, we are to treat others the way we would like to be treated. So the question is not, how can I have more loyal friends? The question is, how can I be the kind of friend that God wants me to be? So if any of you need to respond for any reason, or if or if any of you are in need of prayers, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.